This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Good morning, Saturday, January the 16th, 2021, 16 days out of 365, playoff weekend is upon us, game day in Green Bay, looking forward to that one, also have David Schneider on to speak with us today, he's a motivational speaker, former Division I basketball player as well as professional athlete, has a lot of great stories, looking forward to sharing those with you guys today. We are excited to share here on Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast that we have now been accepted on Spotify, iTunes, and obviously YouTube. Really excited about this. Gives uh, us a chance to reach out on different platforms, be downloadable on different platforms. Looking forward to reaching more people this way. Looking forward to a great show. We have a new segment that I'm going to try every Saturday. We're going to call it Saturday Support. I want to give you guys some support, throw out some new information, stuff for you to think about as you uh, start your weekend, you know, a little bit of downtime, maybe grabbing some coffee while you're listening to this. So here is Saturday support segment number one. Going to ask you guys a couple questions, something to think about and ponder. How much did they first pay you to give up on your dreams? What was that first paycheck, that first hourly rate, that first salary that they gave you? And when are you going to stop and come back and do what exactly makes you happy. Do you know why kids love athletes? Kids love athletes because they follow their dreams. I've seen people work in the same companies or the same industry their entire lives and careers. Clock in, clock out, and never truly have a moment of happiness within their work area. What we have when we think about this is an opportunity, kind of like a rebirth where you can start doing what you love and you're actually doing it passion and truly not working. The true mark of a champion or a winner, a successful person, is this. Even though some dirt gets thrown in your dream, instead of letting it get buried, they shake that dirt off. They move forward. They keep their dream alive. They keep their passion alive. I was reading yesterday that when we pass away, we have six people lift us up in essence, carry us at our funerals. But let me ask you this question. What if we had those same six people that are going to carry us at our funerals lift us up each day while we're still alive here on this earth? How much more could we truly accomplish with true support like that? How much more successful can we be? How much more would we be able to have a better day knowing that we have six people that are going to lift us up and carry us throughout our day to help us. And then in turn, we're going to do the exact same for somebody else. The problem is, is when we get to the end, that's the only time we truly think about what six people are going to actually carry us. I look forward to doing this every Saturday, just giving a little bit of information here and there, giving support, something to think about. Maybe your Saturday is the kickoff of your work week or your week. 
You know, some days, Sundays, people have to go into the office. So I'm trying to get information out there that makes your day and your week start in a much better basis. David Schneider will be on next, and we look forward to talking with him. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three, two, one. Welcome back to Never In My Wildest Dream Podcast. Super excited about this next guest. Uh, I have David Schneider on with me right now from SchneiderSpeaks.com. He was a Division I basketball player at William & Mary. He was fortunate enough to go overseas and play in England and Germany professionally. After he got done playing over there and retired, he came back and worked in the family business. We're going to talk about that here in a second. He got into sales in 2016 in the pharmaceutical area. He was the 2018 lead salesman for Bosch and Lom. He's gotten into motivational speaking and telling stories. David, 2016 was the last time that we spoke on the phone or in person. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. So you've gotten into motivational speaking. You have your website. You Tell me a little bit about what you're doing how you're doing it, and how COVID has affected you at this point? Great question. So I, uh, I started coming up with these stories and really analogies uh, a few years ago and just jotting them down, just thinking, okay, how can I apply this and how can I help being a former college athlete myself? How could I help these stories, use these stories to help other people, inspire other people for their success? So one of the things I call it the story time series. And all I do is I take unique uh, various objects, pop culture references to try to deliver these memorable life lessons and create a positive culture, not only for a player, but also for a team. Um, and, and I know one of the things that, that I've always tried to do is, is inspire others either through my actions or through my words. So Basic things, even one of the last blog posts that I wrote about was about something as similar as, as a hat, mm -hmm. uh, something as simple as a hat, just to help that use those types of things to really inspire other people for their success. So that's been going great. A lot of these stories, how COVID's really affected it. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff that I do is in person. A lot of people like yourself and other coaches, they either have podcasts or team meetings. Uh, they've reached out to, to get a lot of my thoughts and positive actions on tape, um, either through a podcast or through videos. And so I'm excited. Hopefully 2020 is when I really kind of started hitting the ground running, but I'm hoping 2021, um, able to get out there in person to be able to, to share these stories. So down here in Charleston now, uh, South Carolina. So definitely going to stay more local to start, have a, mm -hmm. a couple events already lined up for, for big shots, uh, the family business this summer, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, so, and then excited for the end of the year. Uh, my goal is to have everything, all these stories that I use uh, about 30 stories written in my story time book and hoping to have that published by the end of the year. So it's, it's exciting. Obviously all of us got through 2020, um, by the, by the skin of our teeth, but excited <laughs> for, for a, a great 2021. So when, when you and I talked last, I mean, you know, we're getting together with regards to Big Shot. So your dad, Jeff, your brother, Kevin, and you all were working in what was, I guess it's Big Shots is, is the business for running AAU basketball tournaments and basically getting kids seen to go to the next level. And you guys do an unbelievable job of getting kids what they deserve, which are scholarships. I mean, you get, you, you prepared a platform by which they could excel to help them in their future you know absolutely now 
you lived in Fairfax at the time, right? Weren't you living up in like Northern Virginia or DC when yeah, you guys were yeah, doing that? Since, since I was done, my dad had a place right there in Arlington. Kevin and I lived in Boston, okay. um, which is right there in Arlington as well. And then they ended up moving back down to Myrtle Beach area. They've gotcha. been there. My dad always went kind of back and forth just because that's where he, he founded Big Shots. Um, we knew as a company we really wanted to help the DMV area, mm-hmm. uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, just because uh, it's such a mecca for for athletes and, and especially in the game of basketball. You have so many great programs, WCAC, uh, you know, Team Takeover, DC Premier, you have Nike, EYB, like you have all types of great competition there. And we knew we really wanted to help those kids as well as the kids in the South. So they've done a great job even since – um, I got into to more of the, the sales role the last couple of years, but they've really done a great job up and down 95 to give kids exposure, especially some of the stories. One of the ones that always stands out to me, Grace Allen's story. Um, so very under-recruited kid coming out of high school down in Florida, came to a Big Shots event at VCU, uh, and that's when he got Duke's attention. I remember sitting with some of the Duke staff and, and some of the stories were just incredible how competitive Grayson was, how many points he put up, all these different things where he was very under-recruited. Came to a couple of Big Shots events. Kevin, older brother, he's, he's I think, removed the brother bias from it. He's definitely one of the best recruiters in the country just from his name. Like he always remembers players from 10, 15 years ago. I was joking with him last night when I was talking with him. Is is like I put him on the spot. Like, Kev, tell me everybody on Zion Williamson's team five years ago. AU, he just rattled off all these names. He knows where players go to school. It's unbelievable his memory. And we were talking about Grayson and guys like that who you really help change somebody's career. And I imagine, man, what if Grayson ever came to a Big Shots event? Would he have still had the same career? Would he have gotten that exposure? And I think Big Shots has been one of the best in the country at really finding those kids that are kind of no-name kids and making them famous. So it's it's pretty special to have been a part of the journey and see what they're continuing to do today. Absolutely. I know, and, I, and I'll say this, and, and you know, your dad and, and Kevin always treated me like family, just like you have, and I always appreciate that when I went to your events. Absolutely. Very personable, and you made me feel like I was at home. I could ask you any questions, and it was it was never awkward. It was just like, hey, we're just kind of talking like we are right now, and I thought that was always really cool with you guys, so I appreciated that from the other side Absolutely. of the seats. Um, it's always, You've been great, and all, all these coaches, and I, I know we've always tried, because it is a family business, we've always tried to keep it that way, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, even my younger brother, Bryce, who just uh, is going to be graduating from Nova Southeastern, um, down in Florida, he's gonna he's gonna start in his role with Big Shot. So it's always great to see um, players and coaches, and especially we we see you guys so much in, over the course of a year, and then we follow obviously follow your guys' success through through the years with yep. how you're either from high school players along the journey, and then um, it's always it's always fun to be a part of somebody else's process and journey for sure. I mean, I'm jokingly saying this, but I cannot believe Bryce is about to graduate college. I definitely don't, like feel don't old. Don't remind me. There was a time he was shorter than me, man, and now he's taller than me. And and now I was joking with my mom the other day. I'm like, I, it's hard to believe because I remember when I was playing, even ten. It's hard to believe I graduated from William Mary ten years ago, and you watch these guys and be like, man, I'm I'm just I'm getting old. It's so hard to realize. <laughs> I remember you know, when he played, and like, then you see guys like Bryce, man. I remember uh, some of my old game tapes. I still watch a couple of them just just for old time's sake. And I remember watching, I think we were playing uh, 
Towson at home. And mm-hmm. there was this one series where we were down, I think, by nine with like 30, maybe two minutes left. And I came down, came off a high ball screen, took a three, made it, sold the inbounds pass, drove it out to the corner. It's had another, it's like a Reggie Miller moment. Hit another three, now we're down three. And I watched the tape, and I remember Bryce was sitting maybe 10 rows up right across from our bench. And he's tiny. He's got to be at least like four foot five, like just tiny <laughs> little kid. And now he's tall like six five. Like he's taller than me. So it's incredible to see how much he's changed. It's been fun because I feel we have about 11 year gap. So I kind of feel sometimes like the older uncle instead of the brother. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. I remember when he played U16 ball. Like I remember when he was like U16, yep. U15, yep. like watching him play. Oh, yeah, shooting the ball well. I remember all those games. That was always fun because. You, you and your dad and your brother would always kind of like slowly leak over to that game and, and make sure that you, you know, you were attending and watching. Um, yeah. So you move from, you know, the Northern Virginia area to a postcard. You moved to Charleston, South Carolina. How, how and why did that all come about when you like, what was the thought process in just getting out of the Virginia area? Yeah, so Heather, Heather, my wife and I, we've always, uh, we got married here in Charleston in 2016. Uh, our family, so Heather's family, uh, her mom, her sister, Kevin, Bryce, my dad, all live in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. So we knew we wanted to be, one, we got married here, so it's always been a dream potential destination for us to potentially move to. And it happened actually right around Christmas last year. We had something that's been, ever since we got married, we've always talked about it. And this is really obviously before the, the heightened state of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a house out in the Haymarket, Virginia. It's near about 30 minutes west of Fairfax. And we even said, all right, this, this is something we want to do. Is this where we want to live? Is this where we want to raise a kid? Because we knew eventually we wanted to have a family too. So the eight hours is great. But, you know, knowing that Kevin, Kevin and Ferris is my sister-in-law, they have Brooklyn, who's my niece. We wanted our kids to grow up together and be closer to family. So it happened right around Christmas. We're like, hey, we're just going to do it. We're just going to move to Charles and let's just, let's just do it. So I uh, moved in March and then there was like sold the house, which is a huge blessing. Heather did a great job getting everything done. Uh, and then we moved in March and been here for, it's hard to believe it's almost been a year for sure, given everything that happened in 2020. So uh, we always felt we wanted to be closer to the family and that was a huge driving force. And then Obviously, the second thing, probably most important, is the warm weather. Is as you know, it's probably snowing up there down here. You could probably wear flip flops. So yeah, I'm a little right jealous now, so of it's, that. It's a little bit different in terms of weather. So family and weather definitely were probably the two two driving decisions in that one. I mean, I'm barefoot in my office right now, but uh, this morning when I went out to my car, there was ice on the windows, and I had to like defrost it. So yeah, I'm yeah. a little I'm a little jealous yeah, I think of it's that. Supposed to be 54. I think just sometime this week, supposed to get up into the 60s. So. And I'm starting to play golf now, too, so it's perfect perfect golf weather. And you're in the best location for that. Didn't you say that Charleston's the number one destination for weddings now? Yep, number one. Yeah, almost, I think, a lot of celebrities. Uh, who was it? Ryan Reynolds. I think Blake Lively got married here. I think Bieber got married here. Like, it's 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 pretty impressive. A lot of the people uh, venture down here. And then people have, like, bachelorette parties and stuff like that. And they've done pretty well. Like, most of it... Um, in terms of crowd, it's still still a lot of tourists, and have have once they've kind of opened up some of the restricted areas too. A lot of the tourists have been able to come back, so 
beautiful downtown rainbow row it's one of the prettiest places on the planet especially if you drive downtown yeah i've i've never i've driven through it like from a recruiting perspective but i've never really been to stay if that makes any sense so it, it is gorgeous but i just haven't had the fortune of actually like you know, putting the car in park and spending some time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Isle of Palms, Folly Beach, obviously Key, we have Key Island, uh, Hilton Head is only two hours south, Savannah's a little bit further, so that whole stretch from about two hours is, I mean, you got the beach, you have restaurants, I was joking with Heather the other day, you could spend an entire lifetime going to all the different restaurants in Charleston, it's, it's on a whole other level. It's definitely on my bucket list as a place to get yeah, to. Yeah, anytime, man. Let me know. I we got, I, got a guest room for you. I definitely will. You made a comment there um, that I jotted down. I, I take some notes every once in a while as you're talking just so I can kind of pick your brain because you, you do an unbelievable job when you speak. And, and I want to I wanna make sure that the people that listen to you know us talk here on the podcast understand what it takes to be successful. You, your phrase was you made the jump and the leap to just move to Charleston. In basketball, in business, and life, sometimes you just have to make the jump and leap and kind of open your wings a little bit and just go and let everything funnel under you. Is that kind of what you've done with your motivational speaking and with your, your book and everything? Is that kind of how you've jumped into it? Absolutely. I think God always gives us gifts and talents, and we don't really know exactly what we're supposed to do until the moment comes to to use it. And a lot of the stuff that I've done, I, I've specifically with my stories, you don't really know the outcome unless you actually do something with it. And I've seen over the last couple years, specifically, especially since we moved down to Charleston, there's so many opportunities and things that I've, I've done in my life where I would not have achieved the success I have unless I took the step towards achieving it. Right. And I think through all of the things we merits, it's almost like taking that extra three-point shot or taking that free-throw shot or, or just making that move. If you don't take the shot, you'll never know if it's going to go in or not. Right. And that those types of things where I've always tried to influence and encourage a lot of people with my stories is, that, hey, man, you have really nothing, especially if you have nothing to lose, then go for it. Mm-hmm. And you'll never know, especially not to let fear get in the way. I think a lot of times we either fear our abilities we fear what could happen but also that in the very next breath i could say it could be the best decision you've ever made and a lot of these stories that i try to come out with i'm hoping that it just puts more wind into your sails to just at least push you into a positive incredible direction Mm -hmm. especially as an athlete you you never truly understand the impact that your words, your actions, your thing, your your talent can can do for other people, not just yourself, bring you happiness, bringing you success, but also the influence. I think of all as an athlete, right? We are inspired by former athletes. So mm-hmm. I imagine what would have my life be like. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, huge Tiger Woods fan, huge Derek Jeter fan. I wouldn't can imagine my life what my life would be like without those influences in athlete. Absolutely. And if they didn't share, if they didn't share their talents with the world, now what the world would have been like without Michael Jordan? Like it just, you know, what the NBA would have been like, what, what the college game would have been like, everything 
Like I'm even wearing Jordan ones right now. Like what, what everything would be like without Michael Jordan. But if he would not have, have pursued his dream and taken that leap of faith with his dream, you know, cause again, you, you know, everybody mostly knows his story about getting cut from the sophomore, you know, his sophomore got cut from varsity and, you know, if he would have quit, no more Michael Jordan. If he would have just said, all right, sophomore year, I'm done with basketball or it goes to North Carolina and, you know, they don't win the tie, like all these different things of what he could have done. You know, if he quit with the Bulls, the Bulls were like one of the worst teams. I think I've seen the last dance like 18 times. So yeah, me too. It's come out short <laughs> fan, but I, it's just, it's incredible to see, man, what if, it's always that what if, right? And I think we usually use what if as a negative negative thing like man what what if i don't man that's it could go this way it could go bad it can be negative but you also gotta look at what if in the positive man what if i do this how great it's gonna be and it Versus works. what if i don't do this how bad it's gonna be so i've always been hey man just go for it shoot first ask questions ask questions later it's always been my mindset yeah a you have a maverick outlaw you must have been a shooter on the floor we're, we're gonna get into your career william and mary here in a second but uh it's funny you got ones on which ones do you got on I have the Jordan One mids. Okay. I just I just was this funny. I was talking to Kevin about it last night. I uh, I had a pair of something similar. You couldn't really play in Jordan Ones back in the day. But you still can't play in, in those middle things. school. I had a pair of uh, black Jordans. Okay. And this is my dad was coaching at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. I went to Jutkins Middle School, and I think at the time I was wearing like a size nine, and it might have been eights. And this is, I think, 2001. So, anyway, my feet, I kept having all these games where I played so well. So, I had like 20, you know, 20 point games, 24, 26. And I keep putting all these big up numbers. But the problem is, my feet grew that summer. And so, I outgrew my shoes. And I didn't want to get rid of them because I was like, they didn't have, they sold out of the news kind. I was like, Mom, I, I've been playing so well. I can't, I can't get rid of these Jordans. And then it came to a point where, because I kept getting blisters on the top of my knuckles because I'd have to curl up my toes in order to fit in the shoe. Yep. And so I had to go through a stretch. And ever since then, I've always wanted a black pair of Jordans again. And now I'm 33 and I finally got my black pair of Jordans. So I got a black pair uh Jordan 1 mids, all black. And then I got a white pair too. And on my shelf, I got his uh, black, white, and red ones, like the original OGs. Yep. Uh, so I'm a huge, you know, like I still got all my, my Jordan jersey, signed Jordan jersey from back in the day. I got that, that for him, a huge Jordan fan. So Very nice. Yeah. And they're comfy, man. I'll be honest. Probably can't play in them, but you can definitely wear them around the house and wear them out with jeans. So, no, you, you know, yeah, it's funny. You, I, I always thought the ones were like goofy looking, right? Like I was like, man, I could never see myself wearing those. They almost, the lows almost look like skater shoes to me. But yeah, then. Very close but then, like, our school colors at South are green, white, and black. And they had the green and white lows come out. They were Kelly green. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy those this summer. So I bought them. I was like, these things are unbelievably uncomfortable. So Devontae Adams, and we'll talk about the Packers here in a couple minutes since it's game day, is sponsored by Jordan. Did you know that? I did. So, so he wears all these custom ones, but Jordan brand made ones that have Packer colors. So that is my Packers game day shoe. So I will have ones on at 435 today for kickoff <laughs> because it's a superstition. And then for Christmas, I got a pair of the Hawks. So 
the Incredible Hawk ones, the, the purple, green, and white ones. So they're the most comfortable shoes I've put on my feet in a very long time. I did like the 11s because the aesthetic, but you know, at the end of the day, these are the ones that I enjoy putting on and the Packers are rolling in them. But yeah, Devontae will probably wear today either custom 11s that are all gold or a pair of like white, like the, the low top uh, Concords. And that's what he'll rock today. It's really cool because even watching like the last dance, they've they had that as a good segment dedicated to the Jordan shoe, and it's so true. Like you watch, I follow a lot of the NBA guys just because I've I, I got to meet them in high school and things like that. And a lot of the NBA guys, if you watch them, they're wearing like for the game. A lot of the stuff they post on Instagram is them walking to through the tunnel to the locker room, and it's it's like hoodie jeans and jordans mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's usually some form of look so i'm glad that uh that, that trend really has not diminished over the last couple of years because it's hard to believe he's been retired for a long time but his shoe man that's, i think it's still one of the most popular shoes sold in the world is a jordan so i, I think so it's, it's, um, it's really cool to, to see a lot of the uh the younger kids are really not it's hard to believe even like tyler Hero and some of these guys who are playing the league now were born after he retired absolutely so it's it's cool to see some of the guys still still rec, uh, repping the Jordans. You know, I uh, it, it's funny you say you talked about the last dance because I, I put some notes down about that. Um, everybody knows the Jordan story, and you know we we know about getting cut and you know go home and his mom tells him you know just go work harder basically, and and obviously he did and was successful. Did you know the backstory on Scottie Pippen? Did you know that before last dance? So I knew a lot about his – I didn't know the family stuff, to okay. be honest with you. I knew a lot of the, the stuff that he went through playing in terms of he sprouted. You know, he grew, I think, six inches in a summer, and then he developed that – he developed point forward, and that's how he kept his guard skills and things like that. Just It was more the player side of it. Personally, no idea. In terms of two people in a wheelchair and the bedridden for the rest of his life with his dad, and it's it's unbelievable. Even from like Dennis Rodman's story, you don't really know. And that's part of. The, I would love eventually, especially once I get into these stories and analogies. But I love hearing other people's stories, mm-hmm. just because I think everybody goes through something personal mm-hmm. that always influences us professionally. Hundred percent. Either from from a motivational side, or good, bad, or ugly, and you know, family issues, or or personal addictions, and all these different things that we go through. But to see how it always helps the professional side and turning something negative into a positive. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Kerr's thing with his dad passing, and Michael Jordan's thing with his dad passing, and all of these different things where. You turn. I, I, I admire those guys for the simple fact of how they turn something really negative into something positive, and I think that's it's really impactful. Knowing, especially for Scotty, he always you can tell even when he signed the long term deal is he always did what was best for his family, which is really really cool. Well, it's really humbling and and huge kudos to him for doing that. I thought it was pretty cool that he actually out salaried Michael Jordan from the NBA perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something you really don't think about because, you know, you look at Jordan Brand, like you said, the brand shoes and how every Christmas, you know, the new 11s are coming out and they have the yep. 
the list of like you know Jordan release dates. I mean, sneakers, I'm, I, yeah. And trust me, I look at that all the time because I'm like, ooh, I right. wonder if I can get like an outfit that's going to match those. I I do have way yeah. too many shoes. It's up over thirty now. It's way too many, but they are something that is kind of nice, and I enjoy wearing them. Um, yeah. You talked before we got on the show about your W, and and I think that's a really cool way of looking at things. Can you explain your W and how it's kind of affected your life, how you viewed your life from the start of where things were really great, coming down, going back up, coming down, and going back up? Explain that to me. Yeah, so the W really, in my mind, stands for for win. And W is the outline of my book. And the outline of my book originated from my high school senior year to my senior year in college. My senior in high school, I went to Brophy College Prep, one of the premier high schools in Arizona and really in the country, one of the top programs, played for a great coach, Mark Ranger, averaging 18 points, was all conference, was all state, like had a great high school career, freshman year. So that's, to me, that's like the top left of the W. You started on this big high. Most people, when they go to college as a freshman, you're, you're, you go from big fish, small pond. Mm-hmm. Now it's completely reversed. Now you're the small fish again. So you have to earn your keep. Mm-hmm. And I went back in the bottom left-hand corner of that W. So you're starting very, very bottom. You got to earn your keep as a freshman. You got to earn playing time. You got to earn respect from the upperclassmen. And even uh, college, the whole dynamic, you know, you're now you're, you're on your own. You had your parents to lean on, you had your brothers to lean on you, college you're really on your own. You're figuring out your class schedule. The, the campus is completely different. The dynamics completely different. Education is completely different. So you really are just earning your keep again. Sophomore year for me, uh, we made the CA championship game first time ever. So we got to play Jim Laranega, George Mason, primetime ESPN. Uh, it was a huge, we were kind of that Cinderella story. Uh, we played Georgia State in the first round. And I made the buzzer beater that game. Uh, we beat ODU, then we beat VCU. That's when CA champ. That's when CA uh, was just I think one of the best in the country at that point from a major perspective. We saw a team making Final Four runs, which is awesome. So. That was like that top middle of the W junior year. So I led the team as a point guard and coach Shaver, Tony Shaver, the head coach of William Mary at the time. And he called me in his office like, Hey, you know, we need you to continue to strike. We need you to move from a point guard to a shooting guard. We need you to score more versus lead the team in assists. And at the time I was, I'll be honest, it was, it was humbling for me looking back on it. But I was like, coach, I just led you to, championship game as a point guard i'm a point guard i'm not a shooting guard you recruit me as a point guard so junior year we had a huge dive like where we barely i think we went 10 and 22 that season um very similar to the form of the w you know exactly where it is that bottom yep. right hand corner so you have Absolutely. this big high as a sophomore and then junior year just plummet right so my senior year is when sean mccurdy who's took over as a point guard role him and i became roommates and best friends i love sean and him and i really clicked the team clicked so my senior year we finished with 22 wins which is still the highest record in 70 years at william mary we made the ca championship game for the second time in school history and then we played my final ever college game we played against the north carolina tar heels michael jordan's tar heels in carmichael of all places it wasn't in the dean dome it was carmichael 
Brad Nesler and Jimmy Dykes, my two favorite commentators of all time, were commentating the game. So literally for me, it was my perfect ending of my college year. And that was my high where I think of a W of, of everything from my senior season of high school to my plummet of freshman year where you're, you're earning your keep to the rise of my sophomore season, back down to the plummet of my junior and then the finish on this high. But part of why I'm writing this book and all of these analogies and stories that kind of fit with that timeline mm-hmm. is it's if it continues through life. And that's something if you, that was just four or five snaps, four or five years snapshot of my life. But if you drag that timeline all the way out, but oh Lord willing, I have a long life. It's going to continue like that. You're going to have incredible highs. You're going to have incredible lows. But the great thing is lows don't last forever and highs don't last forever. So if it ever feels like you're always at the bottom, know that it's always going to get better. And when it's at the top, just enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride, because when you're at top, that won't last forever. So the whole thing is always remain positive, whether you're in the highs or in the lows, knowing that one's not going to last forever, no matter which <laughs> which trajectory or where you are in that W. But it, everything that you go through is going to help you win in life. And that's the idea behind story time. That's the idea behind the W. I think, I mean... I- I've never thought of it that way. I think it's absolutely awesome. You know, the way you, you put that up, um, you know, you, you talked about speaking to teams and obviously I want you when we're finally back able to do a lot more stuff than just a zoom and all that kind of stuff. You're coming to Hagerstown and talking to my guys. And and I know you and I reached out and do text and talked about that, but, and that kind of led us to today, which I really do appreciate you being on. Talk about comeback stories. Um, I wrote that down when, when we were, you were just talking there. You mentioned Tiger. We talked about Tiger earlier. All those guys have comeback stories. You mentioned that you're probably going to write a blog about the Tiger situation. Um, I'm a binge watcher, so I haven't watched episode number one. Uh, is, I'm going to watch episode one and two fluently just so I can kind of keep the three hours rolling. What did you think about Tiger part one, and how did they kind of emulate what it's what his life story is like and all that kind of stuff? you again very similar to what you just mentioned about scotty you never know what somebody goes through and their journey and their struggles and their beginnings and it's it was really eye-opening for me to see a lot of the things that you just don't know so similar to the last dance of michael jordan and i think one of the unique relationships which people talk about but never really got to see much of it was his relationship with his dad And I think how that really influenced his journey and his life. And I think one of the things, so I grew up, and this is what I was going to kind of put into the blog was, I grew up in Southern California when Tiger was really dominant in the 90s. And my grandma, she bought me, my mom's mom bought me my first ever set of golf clubs. And Kevin and I would go play. It's this this mini par three. It's backed up right. It's a beautiful course, like backed up right to the ocean and Kevin and I would always joke like who gets to wear red on Sunday. Like we would always, <laughs> cause we didn't want to colors the clash and, yep. and we, we practice our tiger woods fist pump and all these different things where you see so much of the positive that, that tiger brought to us as kids, but you don't really know everything that he went through. And then the two thousands hit all the, you know, family issues and, you know, fair, all these different things that he went through. And I, I think, 
Tiger easily could have just quit. And I even think reflect on Michael Jordan's story when he retired the first, he could have just played baseball and then just been home with it. To be honest with you, he, he did everything he could for the city. Similar with Tiger, he won, you know, so many majors up until that point when all that stuff went down. He easily could just say, guys, I'm done. My back's, my back's done. I physically can't do it. And for him to go through what he went through mentally, physically, everything personally family all these different things for him to go through that and not only win any major i think the the masters has something incredibly special it's not like you won the pga it's not like going to us open which are fantastic majors but it's the masters right it's for me it's the most prestigious obviously living in the south i'm a little biased but i'm so <laughs> closer closer now but it's unbelievable of all majors to win. I think that one is definitely the hardest. And I think that probably meant the most to him mm-hmm. too, where he gets that green jacket. Like every other major, they don't have a jacket. You right. know, the green jacket is something special for all those guys who wear it and share it. And to see his incredible comeback and then knowing probably what he went through to get to that point, yeah. I think it's all of us will rise again, very similar to that W, right? All of us are going to rise to a certain point. All of us are going to do something or have something done to us that's going to make us fall. But it's that courage and that determination and that dedication to your sport and to your craft that allows you to rise again. And I think he is just, it's always cool when you see somebody of his caliber and his fame and his recognition. I mean, he's an icon in the sport. Mm-hmm. So to have something like that where he just, he, he really provides a humanistic approach. Like, man, that's how it was. If he can do it, I can do it. Like, that's kind of, it's very inspiring when you see something like that. And I remember when he won, man, I, I yelled in the house. I, I cried. It was emotional when Tiger won the Master. I remember just watching it. And my arm, when his arms went in the air, my arms went in the air. And then I just, I started, yeah, you did it. You won. You got it. I mean, I was texting and calling everybody I knew. Like, it was it was special when Tiger won the mate, when the won the Masters. Yeah, I was, there were a lot of tears too, you know, I mean, I, I put myself in spots and, and I shared that with you before we got on, but, you know, I made poor decisions and put myself in situations that I shouldn't have. Um, no time machine really is ever going to go back and fix those, but what I've learned to do is use them to become better as a person, better as a coach and, you know, be able to provide stories to people so that I can say like, look, you know, you're going down a path that's probably going to be very detrimental. I, I would highly recommend not doing that because the hole that I put myself in and the hole that I dug myself out of is not like Tigers. I mean, but in my world, it was like Tigers. And when he made that putt, it almost made me feel like all the stuff that I was working so hard for was going to come to fruition because it always is going to happen if you work hard. And, you know, last year I kind of had my Tiger's Wood moment when we won 11 out of our last 12 games. I was fortunate enough to be four-time coach of the year. And it was kind of like this, you know, I got to yell in my house because COVID was going on when I got all my awards. But I got to kind of throw my fist in the air and yell in my house because I knew what it was like to cross that bridge. And yeah. there's a lot of people that can relate to Tiger. And, and you said, you know, you know, because Tiger can do it, I can do it. There's a lot of people that go through a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm realizing that as I go through my therapy and, and I try to better myself mentally, not just physically, but mentally. And 
we can help one another. And I actually have a couple questions for you on something that I posed before you came on today in the first segment um, that I think is, is kind of cool. But I'm going to leave you with one thing on Tiger real quick that I I, I really want to watch this documentary. But like I said, I'm a binge guy. So I've been watching like other stuff on YouTube. The year, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the year he won it at the Masters 2019, at the Wednesday press conference, a reporter asked him, do you have to win this major in order to cement yourself? Do you remember them asking him that? Yep. Yeah, I followed, I followed that tournament, especially because I knew he was really close. Right. I followed that pretty – well, no, I followed most majors anyway just because it's, it's the majors. Yeah, me too. That one – just because I knew he would, had a really good chance when I followed that all the way through. So I, def, yeah, I definitely remember that. Do you remember that answer that he gave? I don't have I to. I don't know. I was spacing when you asked me that. I was like, I remember watching it, but I don't remember exactly what he said. So he looked right at her and as calmly as he could, and then he always has that big old smile with the teeth that they're like perfect for Tiger. He yeah. said, I don't have to, but I really want to. And that's he awesome. left, and that's how he left do, the no, press I conference. I remember him saying that. Remember that? I do remember that. Isn't that yep. cool? So, I mean, you know, I look at it, you know, you will, I was taking some notes earlier, you know, about athletes and people live vicariously through us as coaches, as players, we make their days better. And the goal for my podcast is probably similar to the goal with your blogs and your speaking and doing what you're doing is the world's crazy right now. I'm going to try to give somebody, even if it's a short coffee break to listen to us a break to go away from the chaos and lose themselves in something that's fun to talk about and that can maybe make them dream a little bit or feel better about their day or pump them up or something. I'm trying to do that with this podcast, and I know you're trying to do it with your stuff as well. Well, which is, and we even talked about it, right? Everybody's going through their own struggles, and there's human, human nature in itself, we're very similar. We're different, mm-hmm. but we're very similar. And two things that always resonate with me, we're either trying to do something or trying to stop doing something. Mm-hmm. We're either trying to to succeed and to accomplish something or we're trying to stop. Whether that be, you know, I've listened to your last show, we are talking about like stop drinking soda or mm-hmm. spending more time in prayer. Like my, my commitment is I want to get a scholarship to go play basketball with William Mary. Like that, that was an accomplishment. That's a goal for someone like Tigers to win a major, like, whatever we're accomplishing versus stop doing something. And I've always, you never know the impact that your words and actions can have on others. And it could be one little five second tweet that Mm -hmm. literally completely changes the course of someone's life. Maybe that be, you know, they were thinking about quitting school or even a darker side of quitting their life. Like in something you said, or something you did helps that person again achieve what they're trying to achieve or to stop doing what they don't want to keep doing. Exactly. And so, and I, I really, I, one thing I do love about social media, I, I do love the fact that we do tweet or do Instagram, do things, especially for those fleets or stories, you actually can see who sees it. Okay. And, and my goal is, man, if I just, if I change one person's life today, if I, there's something that I say, that man, maybe the tat story, and I've had a couple coaches, and it's been great. Like a couple of my old friends or coaches reach out to me, and they give me like a thumbs up. Man, this is great. Like I love this quote, or I love this story. You know the hats thing. Like I had, I had one coach, Nate Falk, who's who's head of Flight Twenty Two, 
it was right when I started posting stories in the summer. And I went to that Big Shots event. He was here in Charleston playing. He's got a great team based out of the Wilmington area. And he's like, hey, man, I, I, I saw that Coca-Cola story that you wrote about. It's like, that was cool, man. I never thought about it like that. And not nowhere, I wrote a, another one about flip-flops. And one of my other friends, Eddie, Eddie Cry, is one of Kevin's best friends as well. He works a lot of Big Shots events, too. He's like, hey, man, that flip-flop story, I like that, Dave. I was like, D, I like that. That's a good story. That's a good way to look at it. And people that you don't know read your stuff or see your stuff and it resonates with them he's like man i'll never look at coca-cola the same way i wrote another one about hats i'll never look at hats the same way there's another one that's coming out i'm writing uh, for february it's about pizza and you and i were talking about pizza as you think about how it's made right so right. you know pizza it starts the dough it's it's practically it's moldless it doesn't have any shape to it and it's tossed around it's beaten up and it toughens it but the only way to really Harden it is it's got to go through fire. Right. And you look at all the stuff that Tiger went through, that you and I went through, you know, it's it's tough in the moment to get beaten up like that. And then once you go through the fire, you, it hardens you and you always come out stronger on the other side. Yeah. That's pizza. Mm -hmm. And that's something like that is if you share that with like your team, mm -hmm. every time they eat pizza, you're on Saturday, right? And you're doing your pregame meal and you got pizza. Like, man, we're going we're gonna to play our best today. Yeah, we're going through, we just, you know, suffered two losses. But, man, we just ate our pizza. Now we're hard and we're ready to go. And you get that you get that W at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Like, that's those, like, little things that you see and that you touch and that you feel. Again, I always think God gives us gifts. And God gave me the ability to connect these dots for people mm -hmm. to allow them to be happier, healthier, stronger, you know, closer to God, those types of things is all I aspire to do with my stories. But yeah, you definitely have no idea the ripple effects that your actions or your words could cause for sure. And didn't you say Kobe, Kobe White was reading some of your stuff? Did you say that earlier? Yeah, so or Zion, so Zion saw some of my stuff. It's it's hard not to screenshot some of that. <laughs> yeah, so I posted a fleet on on Twitter. Kobe looked at it uh, last night actually. That's my, awesome. Uh, one of my one of my posts. Uh, it's. One of my tweets said, think, um, let whoever think whatever was my tweet. Mm -hmm. so let, let whoever think whatever, which is obviously it makes common sense. It's just people are always going to have a certain thoughts, good or good or bad about you. So let whoever think whatever about you, that doesn't change who you are. And he, he looked at it on fleet, which was really cool on, on Twitter. And then Zion looked at another one a while back. So. It's kind of cool. It's I've known Zion like looking at like watching him obviously playing in South using South Carolina boys. So it's pretty cool to see some of these guys and they're still playing in the league and doing really well. So but it's it's nice to know that man those guys are looking at my stuff. It's pretty humbling for sure. I'm sure I'm sure that is. Here is the two questions I have for you, and I know you've kind of jumped off of it a little bit, but it's it's just yeah. this path that I was going down in segment number one. So the first question I asked just to my audience, and I'm going to ask to you is, how much, you don't have to answer with a number, but how much was your first paycheck that took you away from your dreams? Like, think about that. Like, I want to do this, but I got to go make this. You know, have you ever thought about that at all from that perspective? To some degree. Yeah. I think you always have to sacrifice and do what's best for yourself and your family mm -hmm. and it's definitely not easy right it's definitely not easy because the older you get 
the more you appreciate what you have, but you also have more people to provide for. Sure. So not only for yourself, but for your family. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, it's always humbling. You, you have a certain lifestyle you're accustomed to, or you have certain things you want to do and really what matters to you. So I've always tried to be a lot more appreciative of those things, but realizing that you do, you have to prioritize your life of what matters most. Sometimes it does include sacrificing your dreams mm-hmm. to a certain degree, but it also encourages you to work hard, work mm-hmm. harder. So I, I kind of look at that to your point to where it wasn't a specific number of mine, but there were priorities in mind. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I, the One of the other parts I put in there was, do you know why kids love athletes so much? Have you thought about that at are all? You, yeah, are I'm, you asking me? Yeah I'm, posing the, yeah, I'm posing the question to you. Why do kids love athletes? Hmm. Well, first, I think kids want to like athletes because I think a lot of the kids that we admire, like I think of myself, mm-hmm. the athletes I admire is who I was trying to be like. Right. So I think that's a huge huge aspect like be like mike was a huge, huge we lived we lived through that moment didn't we so you'd always want to try and be the best that you possibly can i think part of it too is you realize that these guys are on the mountaintop so you're mm-hmm. kind of most of the time as you're looking down up at them yep and not only do you want to be like them in terms of you want to be where they are but you want to have a lot of the same traits that they have mm-hmm. and you look at a lot of these athletes and what they've had to overcome and i know it's one of the key messages from today's podcast is overcoming adversity and reaching really, really go where you want to go. But I look at a lot of these athletes and think about not only do I want to be up there with them, but I want to have a lot of these traits and mm-hmm. they have a lot of admirable traits. And mm-hmm. when you look at a lot of them, obviously are physically just in, like build and style. Like they they have what you want to have, but they also have these tra- un- great leadership their focus, their determination, their ability to remove distractions, like all of these different things that they have, which are huge, admirable traits. So not only you, it's where they are, it's also who they are. So I think those are, it's, it's very admirable to to watch these guys and watch them grow too. So that's probably, that would probably be my best guess. I'd be curious to see what you think. It's very similar to that. The only thing I would add to that is that, Athletes chase their dreams. Like you always hear, my dream was to be this. My dream was to be this. My dream was the NFL. And I'm a daydreamer. You know, they always picked on Rudy. You know, this class is for doers, not dreamers. Well, I'm a daydreamer. I dream about stuff all the time. I try to vision things. And when you're a kid who has nothing, you honestly think you could be the next dude that has something. And I, and I do think that they follow and they fall in love with these guys so much because they're like, man, I, I, I don't come from anything. I can relate to that guy. I got, I got to go do this. And it's my dream. And they and they try to follow it as hard as they can. I mean, not everybody's going to be Zion Williamson. I mean, I remember watching Zion play when he was 16 live, and I was like, uh, is this dude's birth certificate messed up or something? Because this is crazy. Um, but They have a saying, I don't know if you've ever heard this in – and I don't even know if I made it up, but be a daydream doer and a night thinker. You mm-hmm. ever heard that? I have. I have. So that's one of those things I've I've really loved is if you have a dream, it keeps you up at night. And it 
It really does. Like I think of my stories, how many times I would wake up at 2 a.m. and I just can't sleep because I got like the pizza story or the hat story. Mm-hmm. I just I just woke up at two o'clock. And I'm like, I gotta write this down before I forget. Like it's it was on that level, and I know those guys probably are like Jordan is probably on that level. Mm-hmm. Zion's probably on that level where mm-hmm. they just constantly keep thinking. I know Kobe was definitely on that level where yeah, he was. It, basketball man, you just it keeps you up, it drives you. And it makes you want to be better. Like it, you, you put all that eggs in that basket. And I love, you have to visualize it for sure. Either at night or during the day to where you have to visualize your success. I think that plays a huge role into chasing dreams because you got to know what you're chasing and you got to see that what you're chasing and what that's going to, otherwise you're probably going to quit if you can't visualize it. Mm-hmm. Like what's the, I always say, no matter what field that you're in, you have to see the end of your story before you start your chapter. Uh, I, before you start, before you start the book, you got to see the end of the story, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's that's the visualization keys to that. To where, like, think of your basketball season, right? You got to visualize a championship at the end of the row before you even start game one. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like, what's you're going to go off tangents? You're going to hit a certain path that's you, know, you might lose two in a row if you can't continue to visualize the end of the story, then you're never going to reach the ending. No. So that's, that's, I, I love the idea of chasing your dreams, but also know you got to wear the end of the story. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to steal that one from today's show. I'm a, Edgar Allan Poe had a good quote that I, I fall back to a lot. It's those who dream by day are cognizant of the, of many things to those who only dream by night. And I think that's a true story too. When, when you're just constantly in your mind, um, you know, it's something that you constantly are able to like think about. You're going to go do it because it's just, it's a human trait to go back and follow that. My last question oh, yeah. for you. When we pass away, we have six people lift us up at our funeral. Paul bears, you know, carry us. How more, how much more successful do you think you'd be if you had those same six people in your day daily lifting you up today compared to when you're dead and they're just putting you in the ground? Have you ever thought about that? That is a, I've never heard anybody say that. That is a great, wow. Oh man, that is great. I think, wow, that's really good. I've never heard anybody phrase it like that. That's very interesting. Yeah, I was reading Um, the story and I was like, oh, it kind of, I kind of made it up, but I was reading the story as it was talking about that. And I was like, wow, the story was basically, have you picked your six pallbearers yet? It was like, you know, who, who do you want to carry you when you die? And they're your closest friends. And then I thought, well, why do we have to talk about when we're dead? What, why can't our closest six people that were, are going to carry me when I die, why can't they lift me up now and make my life a lot better between now and the end of the road, you know? Well, you, the great thing is, too, is you always have, you have people in your life now and you have people in your life that are going to be probably there until the end. Mm-hmm. So or you're going to meet at some point between now and the end mm-hmm. that might be an additional person that you never thought true would be there. So you, you definitely think usually what happens is you're going to have some form of spouse, some form of relative, some form of, of none of the above. Right. So I have a lot of good friends and I easily could see myself visualize. Obviously I have two incredible brothers, you know, parent, incredible parents, my wife's incredible. So naturally you're thinking about the people that are currently in your life that are huge support that are huge fans and super supportive, um, former coaches, former teammates, 
people like that who still played a huge role in your life. And then you also got to think about the people that aren't currently in your store yet that are going to be there at the end. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a great question. Yeah. It's, I've been fortunate. I've honestly, and I've been very fortunate and blessed to have the people in my life, either coaches or teammates. I have an incredible wife, super, but I always sat married way up, like angel up. So I always married <laughs> way up. So I, I've always been very blessed and fortunate to have incredible people in my life that have been super inspiring, super uplifting. Cause it's, it's challenging when you're on this journey and when you're trying to pursue something, you doubt and really it's doubt and fear usually creep in at some point mm-hmm. and you need somebody that's going to say, Hey man, I'll be there for you. You got this. And that's again, to what you're doing as a coach, what I'm hoping to do as a speaker is you just need one person to say, man, it's keep going. Mm-hmm. You got this, keep going. And I'll never forget. Um, I have to throw this in there just because, uh, Given did I ever tell you my Michael Jordan story? I don't want to get too off tangent. No, you can no no go ahead. I have not heard this. I'd I'd love to hear this. So this this is it's kind of a a continuum of the keep going idea and message. So really that keep working hard, like why keep working hard and and pursue something. So the year was nineteen ninety eight. My dad was the head coach at Cal Poly and my brother Kevin and I were invited to the Michael Jordan flight school. In San Luis, it was actually in UC Santa Barbara. So, been a couple years prior. Every year, Michael would hand out trophies at the end. So, all these trophies go to you know, the hot shot champion, the foul shooting champion, the MVP, all these awards you would get. So, Michael, George Ravelin was super involved back in the day at the flight school. So, it'd be George Ravelin, Michael Jordan, and they'd be up there and they'd have a list of names. They'd call it out and they'd give you a trophy. And it just allows you more time with Michael Jordan. So I knew 1998, I was 11 years old at the time. I knew that I was going to, it was the last dance and all of the news. And Kevin and I, we followed Michael Jordan's career like religiously, but that I knew it was going to be the last dance since last year. So this is really the last time that I was going to be able to see or meet Michael Jordan. So I was determined every, oh, I was going to win every award that year, just determined. So camp started, it was just Every award. So I won hot shot. I won foul shooting. Uh, won most valuable player. Won the team camp award. Everything. And I'll never forget I was in line. I was 11 years old. And George Rowland's up there. He rattles off the names. And Michael Jordan's up there. And keep in mind, I'm like 11 years old. So these are pretty sizable plaques. So you're like two-arming it. You're holding them. <laughs> and I'll never forget Michael Jordan handed me that final trophy MVP. And he looked at me, and obviously he's got that Tiger Woods smile, right? So he winked and he said, keep working hard, kid. You got a bright future. So he said, keep working hard, kid. You got a bright future. And as an 11-year-old, that was your guy. That was your idol. And flash forward to my final game in college. We were playing North Carolina, your second ever postseason appearance. I hate remember that game and being in a locker room pregame and thinking about keep working hard kid you got a bright future and then I went out and I had 21 points I made seven threes that game Brad Nessler Jimmy Dykes my two favorite commentators of all time were commentating the game I kept the NIT ball I don't know if I was allowed to keep the NIT ball it's in my <laughs> office so I kept the That's NIT awesome. ball and I remember sitting in the locker room holding the ball at the very end and thinking about 
getting all those awards when I was 11 years old. Now at that point I was, it was 2010. So it's 11 years, 12 years later. Mm-hmm. And I remember keep working hard, kid, you got a bright future. And the impact, again, we were talking earlier in the show about the impact words and actions can have on other people. That's my Michael Jordan story. So that's awesome. When you think about those types of things and how your journey starts to finish and the impact other people can have on it. That's, I will always defend when anytime the goat conversation comes up, I get very defensive about Michael Jordan. So do I. Um, but it's, it's just, it's incredible to see the words and actions. Obviously Michael would never even remember that story if I told him, but those types of things where you are part of somebody's journey and even leading all the way to the end about the six palm bears is at some point you needed somebody like a Michael Jordan to say that one thing or to be that one person for you. Yep. And that dramatically, you never know the impact that could have on a person's life. It doesn't matter how old they are, where they're at in their journey, where they're at in their life. And we were talking earlier as, as a coach, you have four years that with a player that can shape the next 40 years of their life. Mm-hmm. And for Michael, that was five seconds, like 12, what, 12 seconds that changed the next 12 years of my life. Yep. Nine so words. Those, those types of things are super impactful. So just something, something I thought I'd share. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I, I counted it here. Nine, nine words, nine words totally drove you in a direction and remind you every day that you have a bright future. And I think, you know, that's something that you'll, you will never forget that. You'll never forget that image in your face when, you know, when he winked at you and, and that's, that's really awesome. I, that's pretty cool that you have the ball in your office too. I stole a couple balls from college. I got yeah, one I from every I, place. I had a case for like a UNC case for, I don't know if I was allowed to, I kept the, uh, so I broke the all time <laughs> three record. Nice. At William Mary. So I kept, I kept that ball. My, we, I did it. It's kind of special too. And I always say God works in weird ways, but my aunt Scarlett, she was the, uh, one of the head of fundraising mm-hmm. for Delaware at the time. And I broke the record at Delaware. So oh, she cool. went back and kept the, she got to keep the ball and then framed it for me. That's cool. And then had the NIT ball. Um, I got a bunch of Michael Jordan stuff. Obviously I got it from the camps. Uh, Dick Vitale. I got one of his signed balls mm-hmm. that says Kevin and David baby with a big exclamation point. I got to meet him <laughs> uh, at the final four when we were, my dad was assistant at, um, Washington State, which was really cool. So yeah, I'm a big memorabilia guy. Just it's always great to look back and you think about how that's influenced your your success. And similar to the to the Michael Jordan, other people we athletes like why we look up at to athletes. And I think it's also for people uh, like a Jimmy Dykes or Brad Nesler and all the all the stuff that they do as well that that inspires you to again be better, do something, do something special. I always say is uh, usually the people that are remembered do something worth remembering. No, I, I, t- I totally agree with that. What's the uh, rest of your day look like? What's what's kicking down in uh, South Carolina today? So I've been, my goal, and I think you, you might have mentioned it on your previous podcast, was uh, to read more books. Yeah, I'm trying so to read 12 just, books a year. I just finished uh, John Gordon's, which I was going to write a post about it tomorrow, uh, John Gordon's The Energy Bus. It's a great book. I, I love John Gordon's stuff. I follow a good amount of guys. Um, John Gordon's one I really like to follow. Alan Stein is another one I really like to follow. I'm about to, uh, the book for February is going to be Raise Your Game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his books, so I have a lot of reading to do. I have that book. Uh, My team week. read that book as well. COVID then, hit. And, yeah, so a lot, a lot of reading, a lot of reading, and then uh, catch up on some stuff. And I got a haircut this morning, so I got, I got to, uh, to to get all that stuff washed off before, <laughs> before it gets too bad. But yeah, what about you? What do you got going on? Got Packers game at four thirty-five. Just kind of catch up with the family, like I shared earlier. And I, I know how tight you guys are, and you know our thing is the Packers game, and then you know just kind of family stuff the rest of the day. So Love it. that's awesome. Man. Yeah, it, it's a good time. I appreciate you being on, David. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. Like I said, we haven't caught up in a long time, and I'd love to have you back on the show, and I want you to come up when we're finally able to do stuff and be around my guys and see what we're building up here. It'd be an honor, man. Anytime. I appreciate it. You have a good rest of your day. Me too. Thanks, buddy. Uh-huh. See ya. Love having David on the show. That was awesome. I was really looking forward to that and catching up with him. And He's got stories, and like I, I said, you know, he does a great job motivating people and getting them, and you know, we actually were able to speak before we went on air, and he kind of got me all pumped up for that as well. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Saturday. Enjoy watching the football. I know I'm going to. Until then, we will talk to you soon on Never In My Wildest Dream podcast.